It's time for mystery. Mystery Radio. The amazing Mr. Malone. Operator. Operator. Get me the office of John J. Malone. The American Broadcasting Company presents The Amazing Mr. Malone. An exciting half-hour of mystery created by Craig Rice and starring Gene Raymond. Our locale is the city of Chicago, the time, the present, and the hero of these weekly adventures, the amazing Mr. Malone. Malone is the name. John J. Malone, attorney and counselor at law. And before we get underway tonight, I'd like to thank all our old clients and welcome the new ones who came by. We'll be here every week at this time, so if you're in the neighborhood, drop in. You're always sure to meet some interesting people. Take Paul Conrad, for example. Mr. Conrad is the stocky gentleman marching down the fourth floor corridor of the Benson Building. You can tell from his walk that he's a man with confidence in himself. And when he comes to a door marked... Larry Hogan, Private Investigations. He doesn't hesitate for a second, but barges right in. Yes. Mr. Conrad is a boy who knows his way around. Hello, Hogan. Huh? I said hello. Oh. You know, it's a funny thing, Mr. Conrad, but I was just thinking about you. All right. Let me in on the joke. Huh? You said it was a funny thing, and I could stand to laugh these days. Oh, you know what I mean. Hey, uh, why don't you sit down? What's the matter, Hogan? Don't you think I can take it standing up? What have you got for me? Well, it's like I told you on the phone, Mr. Conrad. You know, you can't rush these things. Now, uh, you take a dame, uh, I mean a lady, like your wife. Now we're getting down to cases. Who's the boy Doris has been seeing? Well, we haven't been able to run him down yet, but I expect I'll have something for you by next week. That's what you told me one month and 400 bucks ago. Just what kind of a chump do you take me for, anyway? Oh, I resent that, Mr. Conrad. Oh, don't get me wrong, Hogan. I don't blame you. I certainly acted like one. What's the man's name? <laughs> Let me go. Come on, Hogan. I'm losing my patience. Well? You think you're smart? Not where my wife is concerned. Otherwise, I'd never let a gun if like you bleed me. Now, who's the boy Doris has been seeing? Didn't you hear me, Hogan? Sherman. Jackie Sherman. Jackie Sherman, huh? Where will I find him? At the Brighton Apartments. That's very kind of you, Mr. Hogan. Now, if you'll be good enough to make out a check for all the dough you've clipped me for, why, I won't trouble you again. Just a second. Hello, Jackie. Doris. What are you doing here? Oh, now, darling, you're not going to be angry with me. I couldn't stay away. Oh, look, Doris, oh, I... don't be mean, Jackie. Honest, I couldn't help myself. I was sitting home all by my lonesome, and I started to think about you. Next thing I knew, I was in a cab. <laughs> you aren't the craziest dame. Mm-hmm. What am I going to do with you? Well, if you're stumped for an idea, maybe I can give you one. Hmm. Come here, darling. You know, maybe you've got something there. Let's try that again. Yeah, go on, what? Jackie. Don't let me stop you. Paul. Hello, Doris. 
Why don't you introduce me to your friend? Listen, Conrad, oh, I... You won't have to bother, darling. Obviously, he knows me. Guess that gives you the advantage. Mm-hmm. You see, Jackie, I didn't find out about you until this afternoon. Really? Uh-huh. Doris, suppose you leave us alone for a while so we can get better acquainted. No. Go on, darling. I'll see you later. No, I'm not going. You think I'm afraid of you, Paul? Well, I'm not. I'm glad you found out about us. I'm crazy about Jackie. Crazier than you were about O'Neill or Burton or Wilson? And what was that fellow's name in Springfield? Shut up. I just want to make sure that this is different. Well, it is. I'm impressed. All right, clear out. No. I'm warning you, baby. Uh, uh, I'll call you later, Jackie. Did you hear that, Jackie? She's going to call you later. Look, Conrad, don't try and push me around. It's never been done successfully. There's a first time for everything, isn't there? Why don't you stop playing the outraged husband? You know your wife. Careful, Careful, friend. You're speaking of the woman I love. And she loves you, too. You mustn't forget that. Why, you... Yeah. She's crazy about you, Jackie. I don't know what you got. But it's a cinch you aren't going to have it long. Yes, Sim, what li- Hey, what happened to you, Mr. Shaman? None of your business. Yeah, but look at your face. Did you have an accident or I something? said none of your business. You know a boy named Daniel Seymour? Yeah. Is he here now? Well, look, Mr. Shaman, like you say, it's none of my business. Like I said. Now, where is he? In the corner booth. Send a bottle over to the table. You. Huh? You're Daniel Seymour? Uh-huh. You mind if I join you? So happens I do. Oh, you don't understand, sir. No, Seymour. you don't understand, mister. I'm in no mood for company. Know what I mean? My name is Jackie Sherman. That doesn't change my mood. I'm a friend of Sonny Wilson. So? So he thought you might be receptive to a business proposition. Oh. Well, if it's a business, that's different. Sit down. Right. Yeah? Seymour, how'd you like to make yourself 500 bucks? <laughs> It's a pretty ridiculous question, Jack. Well, all you gotta do is take care of someone for me. And what might this someone's name be? Paul Conrad. Oh, is Conrad the boy who roughed... Uh, pardon, I shouldn't even ask. This wouldn't be the same Conrad who owns a Club 59 with Jerome Barney. Does that make a difference? Certainly. Conrad and Barney are big operators, and a kid like myself don't bat in their league. Unless there's a big incentive. Know what I mean? All right, what do you want? Another 500. Fair enough. <laughs> you know, Jackie, I like a guy who don't quibble over a couple of pennies. Let me tell you, fella, you'll be happy with the service. Know what I mean? Come in. Hello, Conrad. Uh, what brings you here, Barney? I just thought I'd drop by to see how you and Doris were getting along. Just peachy. Uh, you couldn't expect me to know. You haven't been down at the club in quite a while. I've had other problems on my mind. You got room for another? We're short. What do you mean, we're short? I just finished going over the books with Harold Plant. He tells me there's close to uh, $50,000 that he can't account for. Is what? Well, I didn't mean to upset you, Conrad. Still, I can't blame you. Fifty grand ain't peanuts. What happened to it, Barney? I was hoping you could tell me. Well, let me get this straight. You think... 
Uh, just a second. Don't go away, Barney. I'll be right back. Take all the time you need, Conrad. I'll be here. Yeah, what the hell? devil? Yeah? Have I the pleasure of addressing the amazing Mr. Malone? Oh, don't tell me. It can't be Lieutenant Brooks. Can't it? I know I'm asking the impossible, Lieutenant, but if you had a mind, what would be on it? You know, that layoff did you good. Before your vacation, I didn't think your jokes could get any worse, but you fooled me. You're wasting your time on homicide, Brooks. Have you ever considered radio? You like my delivery? I think it's the greatest thing since the U.S. Mail. What's up? Ever hear of Paul Conrad? What about him? Got himself knocked off at 5.30 tonight. What's that got to do with me? Well, silly fools that we are, we're holding his partner for the murder. Jerome Barney? Uh-huh. You're crazy. Oh, I bet you tell that to all the cops. Barney couldn't have killed him. You didn't even know Conrad was dead. You already got to figure out Barney isn't the killer. That's right. That's my boy who said that. Unfortunately. All right, Malone. We haven't been amazed in months. Come on down here and get to work. <laughs> You're listening to the amazing Mr. Malone. Today, more than ever before, Americans must be made to realize that freedom and the rights of the common man are a precious heritage. History has proved that people start to lose their freedom the moment they think it is forever secure. That is why we must all work at keeping our American heritage of freedom. For freedom is everybody's job. Many nations of the world today are standing at the crossroads between free government and dictatorship. But there are those who still aspire to political, economic, and religious freedom, and they look to America as an example. Well, it goes without saying that what Americans do during the troubled months ahead can greatly influence the decision that the war-exhausted peoples will make. To win against the totalitarian idea, Americans must become more aware of their citizenship. As a good citizen, remember your American heritage and work to defend your individual liberties. Do this by taking a more actual part in the affairs of your community and in fulfilling at all times the duties of American citizenship. And now, back to the amazing Mr. Malone. life for you. One minute you got it, and the next you haven't, as Mr. Conrad learned to his sorrow. And two hours after the police picked up Jerome Barney for teaching him the lesson, I was down at headquarters where I was greeted by the team that panicked the policeman's ball in 1922, and they were still using the same material. Hey, Sussman, look who's here. Do I have to, Lieutenant? Oh, now, come, Sussman. Let's have a little respect for the gentleman. This is, you should excuse the expression, John J. Malone. Attorney and counselor at law. Oh, that's a great routine you got there, fellas. Do you do a repeat performance for the coast? Where's Barney? Oh, well, Malone, seeing that he's one of your clients, we gave him the best seat in the house. Of course, it doesn't compare with the one he's going to get at Joliet. Whatever happened to all the straight men on the force? Hmm? We traded him to the straight cleaning department. That's enough out of you, Sussman. Only he can make the jokes. Personal jealousy, Hank. Come on, come on, open them up. Malone? How are you, Barney? Fine. How soon can you get me out of here? What's the matter, Mr. Barney? Haven't we made you feel at home? All right, Brooks, knock off already. What have you got on him, anyway? Where do you want me to start? At the top of the page. Okay, number one, he was spotted leaving Conrad's apartment right after the murder. Number two, the gun was in his pocket. Why did you do that, Barney? Because my fingerprints are on it. They what? 
Well, I lost my head, and I picked it up when I saw Conrad was dead. Oh, that's a jolly one. Come on, Sidney. Fool us both and try to use your head. Where's his motive for killing Conrad? Where's his motive? Yeah. Conrad was tapping the till down at the club. The books were short to the tune of almost 50 grand. Is that right, Barney? Well, sure, but if I killed Conrad, how was I going to get my money back? Because you boys had a partnership insurance policy on the lives of each other. You know, I forgot about that. Well, it's a pleasure to remind you. Well, what do you say, Mr. Malone? Hmm. I wish I could think of a smart exit line. Oh, you, uh, leaving already, Counselor? Yeah. Why, you haven't been at all amazing. Well, that makes us even because you haven't been at all amusing. I'll see you, girls. Just a second. Hello, Mrs. Conrad. Yes? I, uh... I wonder if you could spare me a few minutes of your valuable time. I'm afraid I'm busy. Oh, you can't be that busy. My name's Hogan. Hogan? Larry Hogan. I'm a detective. Oh, well, won't you come in? Thanks. Hey, it's kind of establishment you've got here, Mrs. Conrad. Uh, can I offer you anything? I wouldn't be surprised. Of course, I told Lieutenant Brooks... Oh, uh, I guess there's been a slight misunderstanding... I'm not with the police. But you just said... Yeah, I know. I mean, I was a private detective. Hey, uh, is that bar just for show? Or is Get it out. Oh, no, 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 no. Let's not be hasty, Mrs. Conrad. I know you're upset about your husband, but uh, then he was plenty upset about you. What's that supposed to mean, Hogan? Just what it sounded like. I was doing a little research for him. Get me? No. Well, uh, a couple of months ago, he dropped by my office and asked me to do some checking on you. Well? Well, if I say so myself, I'm pretty good. Didn't take me long to find out about you and uh, Jackie Sherman. The next time you do something like that, honey, you want to use a little discretion. I think I've heard enough. Good. Now, uh, let's say, suppose I drop around, let's say, every uh, Wednesday morning. What for? Well, to pick up my check. Though, actually, I prefer cash. You're wasting your time, Hogan. I don't intend to be blackmailed. Oh, now, baby, who said it was blackmail? It is buying my services. I don't need them. Huh? You're, uh, making a serious mistake, Mrs. Conrad. Are you threatening me? Why, I wouldn't dream of it. Still, I got something to sell, and if you don't want to buy, I'll bet I can find myself another customer. Yeah? Talk to John J. Malone, please. You are now. Well, uh, you don't know me, Mr. Malone, but my name is Larry Hogan. Who? Larry Hogan. I'm a private eye. A private eye? <laughs> You've been seeing too many Bogart pictures. I bet you even own a trench coat. Look, Mr. Malone, I call to do you a favor. Why? What do you mean, why? You're representing Jerome Barney and the Conrad killing, ain't you? Well? Well, what would it be worth to your client if I can clear him? What do you want? Uh, well, uh... <laughs> I'm no pig, you understand. Uh, how does 500 bucks suit you? It suits me fine. Well, the party for you to see is Mrs. Conrad. Her hubby hired me to keep tabs on her. Who was she holding hands with? A boy named Jackie Sherman. Jackie Sherman. Yeah, he lives at the Brighton. Well, thanks a lot, Hogan. I'm forever in your debt. Hey, wait a minute, Malone. What about my dough? Hey, what dough? You promised me five bills. No, I didn't. I said 500 would suit me fine, and it would. I haven't made a penny since I came back from my vacation, so if you'll excuse me, Hogan, I got to get down to cases. 
Yes? Mrs. Conrad? That's right. You don't know me. And what makes you think I'd like to? I've got references. What about samples? Well, that can be arranged, too. Well? In public. Uh-huh. In that case, you'd better come in. Thanks. What did you say your name was? I didn't, but it's Malone. John J. Malone. Offer you a drink? You can try. What do you have? Anything you've got. <laughs> You're taking quite a chance. Well, I believe in living dangerously. Uh, that's a reporter for you. Uh, pardon? Well, you are a reporter, aren't you? How could you tell? Uh, well, there's a certain something about all you newspaper men. Does it show? Oh, definitely. Well, I guess there's no fooling you. You know Larry Hogan? No, no. Am I missing something? Well, if you are, I'll make up for it. Here's your drink. Thanks. Mmm. Good? I don't know when I've had better. Now, I'll tell you what I had in mind, Mrs. Conrad. The name's Dark. Well, I didn't want to presume. How would you like to do a personal series on the murder of your husband, hmm? Uh, what do you mean, a, a personal series? Oh, what it was like to be married to a big shot. <laughs> I'm afraid I couldn't. Why not? I never learned how to write. Now, maybe if I had someone to collaborate with, I... That's some idea. You'll be willing? No, but maybe Jackie Sherman would. What did you say? Well, let's face it, lover, you and Jackie are a natural. He probably knows more about this case than anyone else. How long have you two known each other? Get out. Get out? I haven't even finished my drink. You've got to get out of here. Now, now, Doris, you wouldn't throw a glass at me... <laughs> Yeah, I guess you would. Get out. Now, don't be angry just because you, you missed. It's hard to hit a moving you. target. It's lucky your husband didn't present that problem. You. <laughs> don't say it. It's been grand, lover. Let's do it again real soon. Is that you, Jackie? Yeah. Darling, you got to come over here. You out of your mind, Doris? You don't understand. A newspaper man named John J. Malone was just over here. Who? John J. Malone. He's no newspaper man. He's a lawyer. But he just told He's me... He's representing Barney. Well, that's even worse. What did you tell him? I didn't tell him anything. He knew about us. Oh, how? Hogan must have told him. Jackie, i got to see you. Don't be any stupider than you have to be, Doris. Well, I... I can't go on like this. Look, will you try and get this through your head, baby? We're through. Washed up. Finished. Oh, no, we're not. I say we are. And what about me? Uh, you don't have to worry. According to the World Almanac, there are a million other men in Chicago. How dare you say that? It's the truth, isn't it? All right, Mr. Sherman. I can see you're looking for trouble. Maybe I know just the girl to accommodate you. Hello, Seymour. Remember me? Well, the bandages look familiar. Squat. I was very surprised to hear you were still in town. Why? <laughs> we expect me to leave, Jackie? I got nothing to hide. I disagree with you. <laughs> Never seen it to fail. Look, Jackie boy, up to this point, my association with you has been very pleasant. You know why? Because you didn't tell me how to run my business. Know what I mean? Well, don't you think with Conrad dead that you... Conrad? Were... Never heard of him. Well, now, look, Seymour, you... All right, look. I'm willing to pay you 500 more to get out of town. <laughs> well, if you're going to put it on that basis, Jackie boy, 
I'd be an ingrate to refuse. Know what I mean? I don't. You What? That's what I hate about this place. They never keep out the riffraff. What are you doing here, Malone? You probably won't believe this, Seymour. Probably not. I had no idea you were here. I was following your friend. Imagine my surprise. Beat it, Malone. Say, what's the trouble with me today? Nobody seems to want me around. Maybe you ought to start reading the ads. That's a thought. And I got one, too. What do you suppose Lieutenant Brooks is going to say when I tell him that Mrs. Conrad's boyfriend has been consorting with a hired killer? Is that what you think I am, Malone? Uh-huh. Well, you're wrong. I never harmed a soul in my life. But you keep talking like that and I might surprise myself. Know what I mean? Well, what are you stalling for, Sussman? King me. King you? Wait a minute, Lieutenant. How'd that checker get there? It was in that box all along. Funny, I didn't see it. Are you implying that I would cheat? No, he wouldn't do that, Sussman. He's just dishonest. Well, if it isn't the amazing Mr. Malone. What do you hear from Perry Mason? Why don't you give up, Brooks? I don't think you boys will ever replace the Keystone cops. What did you find out? Find out about what? Conrad's murder. Oh, oh, haven't you heard, Mr. Malone? We've got the killer under lock and key. It's a fellow named Jerome Barney who, by an odd coincidence, happens to be your client. You mean you haven't done any more work on the case? Well, it seemed like such a waste of effort with you on the job. Shall we get back to our game, Sussman? Listen, you comics, you know darn well that Barney didn't kill Conrad. Well, enlighten us, Counselor. Where did we make our mistake? Mrs. Conrad was holding hands with a boy named Jackie Sherman. Do tell. Twenty minutes ago, Mr. Sherman met with a fellow named Daniel Seymour. And you know what Dan Seymour does for a living. Yeah, I have my suspicions. Well, what deduction do you Hawkshaws draw from that? Now, you listen to me, Malone. As strange as it may seem, we occasionally get an idea once in a while. Now, it's your theory that Seymour gunned Conrad on behalf of Jackie Sherman. Yes. Well, there's only one thing wrong with that. When Conrad was killed, Mr. Seymour was being questioned by the police 15 miles away. He was? So I guess you'll have to find yourself another suspect. It's your move, Mr. Malone. You are listening to The Amazing Mr. Malone. The United States Forestry Service has declared a state of emergency. Drought conditions across the nation have increased the danger of forest fires. Recently, 17 forest firefighters lost their lives. Due to these unprecedented drought conditions, destructive forest fires are causing widespread damage in the West, the Rocky Mountains, New York, and in New England. The danger of similar disastrous fires elsewhere is rapidly increasing. The only obvious reason that 90% of forest fires are started is carelessness on the part of the average American. All persons entering wooded or forest areas, or even driving through in automobiles, are urged to exercise extreme care when smoking or using fire. Learn by heart these simple rules. Crush out cigar, cigarette, and pipe ashes. Break matches in two after using. Drown all campfires, then stir and drown again. And find out the law before starting any fire outdoors. Remember, nine out of ten forest fires are caused by people. You can help prevent them. And now, back to the amazing Mr. Malone. Professor Einstein had as much trouble with his theory as I had with mine. Here I had it worked out so beautifully that Dan Seymour had killed Conrad at the behest of Jackie Sherman, and according to Lieutenant Brooks, there was only one slight flaw. It never happened that way. Uh, Same alone. 
Huh? Your mouth's still open. Now listen, Lieutenant, are you sure that Seymour couldn't have killed Conrad? Positive. How do you know? Because at the time of the murder, we were having a little tater-tate. I got a phone call yesterday afternoon that Mr. Seymour had secured himself an assignment and a little interview might be in order. Who was your tipster? My friend didn't care to leave his name. But the point the is... The point is that at the very moment Conrad got himself gunned, I was looking into Seymour's beautiful brown eyes. Well, how about Mrs. Conrad? Yeah, hey, how about her? I mean, why couldn't she have killed her husband? No reason, except she didn't. At 5.30, she was having cocktails in Evanston. Any further nominations? Hogan. Who? Did you ever hear of a private detective named Larry Hogan? Yeah, several times. Well, he was the one who gave me Mrs. Conrad and Jackie Sherman. Well, that was sweet of him. Maybe Hogan killed Conrad. Oh, Malone, don't you think you're reaching a little? Well, why not? Where's his motive? He did some work for Conrad. By you, that's a motive? Suppose Conrad refused to pay him. Suppose they had a... Wait a minute, Lieutenant. I think I see it all now. You do? Yeah. Put your head on. We got work to do. Hello, Jackie. Doris, I thought I told you on the phone... Oh, now, sweetheart, you know you didn't mean that. You couldn't possibly... Couldn't I? No. You're crazy about me and I'm crazy about you. You're crazy, period. You're wasting your time, Jackie. You can't make me angry. I know how much you care. But look what you did for me. What did I do for you, Doris? You know. Yeah, but we don't. So suppose you enlighten us, Mrs. Conrad. How did you get in here? I suppose we should have knocked Brooks. Yeah, but they probably wouldn't have paid any attention. All right, Malone, what do you want? The party who killed Paul Conrad. I thought you were a lawyer. (sighs) That's a common mistake. Actually, Jackie, I'm very bad in the courtroom, so I find it much easier if we never go to trial. (laughs) All right, Lieutenant. Like they say in the police manual... Do your duty. All right. And Mrs. Conrad, by the power invested in me, no, I... No, uh, Lieutenant, not her. Him. What does that mean? You killed Conrad. Are you nuts? Now, there's no reason to be sore, Jackie. You went to a great deal of trouble to work out this plot. I'm just seeing to it that you get the proper billing. Say, Malone. Huh? If it's not asking too much, would you mind drawing me a diagram? Oh, I thought the doctor told you to lay off those stupid pills. Well, Malone, we can't all be as smart as you. After all, if I knew all the answers, I'd be doing guest shots on gangbusters. Well, it had to be Jackie Sherman. Had to be. Now, why? Couldn't be anyone else. Where was his motive? Don't tell me he was in love with Doris. Of course not. But you saw the shellacking Conrad gave him. Well, Jackie wasn't the kind to take it laying down. No, that still doesn't prove anything. Well, where do you think your tip came from to pick up Seymour? Jackie? Whom else? Well, that makes a lot of sense. Sure it does. Jackie knew his name was bound to pop up in this case. He was the most obvious suspect. So he hires a killer and then tips us off about it? Exactly. Oh, that's Miss Sugar. Ah, it's not crazy at all. Jackie had a great knowledge of psychology. He banked on us figuring the way we did. It didn't seem possible that having hired a gunman, he'd do the job himself, which is just what he did. Why do you think I had no trouble following him to Seymour? He led me there deliberately. Then I can't get over it. Did you realize how, how unusual this case was? You mean I didn't wind up with a beautiful blonde? No, no, I've seen that happen before. Oh, what then? Well, I've been running around with you, man and boy, almost three years. And this is the first time I can remember where you didn't get your head parted in the middle with a lethal weapon. Say, that's right. Yeah, let's just hope it doesn't establish a dangerous precedent. Good night, Malone.
ever hear the story of the gangster who was haunted by ambition? He was going to be public enemy number one if it killed him. You got to give the boy credit. He made it. I'll tell you all about it next week, so why not pick me up in my office at the same time? I'll be waiting for you. Good night. Gene Raymond was starred as John J. Malone. Our program was written by Gene Wang and directed by William P. Rousseau. Music by Basil Adler. The Amazing Mr. Malone is produced by Bernard L. Schubert. The events and characters depicted in this story were entirely fictional. Any resemblance to actual places of people living or dead is entirely coincidental. This is George Fenneman inviting you to be with us next week. The Amazing Mr. Malone has come to you from Hollywood. And now, another mystery on Mystery Radio X. The Adventures of Sam Spade, Detective, brought to you by Wild Root Cream Oil Hair Tonic, the non-alcoholic hair tonic that contains lanolin. Wild Root Cream Oil, again and again, the choice of men who put good grooming first. Sam Spade, Detective Agency. Bonadine. Anything wrong? You sound almost human. It's not Bernadine, Sam. It's me, Effie. Eff! But I'll tell Bernadine about the compliment. How are things? Well, uh, I've made out as best I could. I don't want to, don't want you to think that I begrudged you a vacation. After all, you have worked hard. You, uh, did deserve it. Sam Spade, is that all you have to say to me? I'm not putting the blame on you. After all, it is a state law, so I can hardly accuse you of letting me down at a time when I needed you most. You might at least ask me if I had a good time. I'm sorry if your conscience bothered you. Oh, well, it didn't. I had a divine time, and I met all sorts of interesting people, mostly men. You don't say. What else? Well, it was this desert ranch, you know, with a lot of, uh, buttes around. You uh, mentioned those. No, Sam. No, no, no. They're the result of erosion. Those outdoor types, they go to pieces. Sam, are you pulling my leg? Not over the phone, Abby, but stay where you are. I'll be right down to look at your snapshots. And when you have the time, I'll dictate my report on the missing news hawk caper. Dashiell Hammett, America's leading detective fiction writer and creator of Sam Spade, the hard-boiled private eye... And William Spear, radio's outstanding producer-director of mystery and crime drama, join their talents to make your hair stand on end with the adventures of Sam Spade. Presented by the makers of Wild Root Cream Oil for the hair. Wild Root Cream Oil. That's the famous name to remember, men, next time you buy hair tonic. And look what Wild Root Cream Oil does for you. It grooms your hair neatly and naturally. Wild Root Cream Oil also relieves dryness and removes loose, ugly dandruff. Yes, men, Wild Root Cream Oil is your shortcut to really handsome hair. So be smart. First chance you get, get Wild Root Cream Oil Hair Tonic. Again and again, the choice of men who put good grooming first. And now, with Howard Duff starring as Spade, Wild Root brings to the air the greatest private detective of them all in the adventures of Sam Spade. <laughs> Canab on Virgin River. Canab, the Pearl of the West. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And did I mention the Buttes? 
Oh, well, they're very interesting. The uh, result of erosion. Yes, and it's authentic, too. Say Hamlin's ranch. You uh, mean a working ranch? Yes, you see, that way you get into the spirit. Mm -hmm. My job was to feed the chickens, and that's how I met him. (sighs) One of the buttes? Sam, he's a very cultured gentleman. Culture smosher. What's he do for a living? He's sure stammering. You don't say. What's his name? Charlie Shank. Charlie Shank? He's the founder of the Shank Institute of Articulative Correction, which I should learn. Articulative Correction. Where is this institute? Oh, I have the address here. Um, General Delivery, Butte, Montana. Mm -hmm. You're sure you didn't help him break parole, Eddie? Oh, no, oh, no, no. We just went on long walks together. Where to? Oh, different points of interest. Like, uh, like Wolf Canyon. Check is. Uh-huh. He invited me on this camping ship, a trip. Honorable, of course. Mm. But I couldn't go on account of my sunburn. Oh, oh. it's awful, awful. Oh, I still see got that. it, you see. Mm. And then, then he went back to Butte. He had to leave in such a hurry, he couldn't even say goodbye. Wow. It was a pity, too, because an old friend he hadn't seen in years came looking for him just a few minutes later. With a warrant? No. Well, he was an attendant in a nearby hospital. Mental? Oh, yes. Very intelligent. He read me some of his poetry. Maybe you've heard it. Um, a loaf of bread, a jug of wine, and thou. Oh, wait a minute. Isn't that the ruby out of Omer Cayenne? That was written by a guy named Fitzgerald. Well, of course. That's his pen name. Quite a penman. Yes, but he paid his debt to society. And the other time it was a bad beef. Oh, no. He told me all about yes. it. He cried on my shoulder afterwards. Sweetheart, when you make a mistake... It's a beaut. Sam, nothing happened. Well, I'm glad he cured you of stammering, anyhow. <clears throat> Ready? Oh, yeah. I've got a brand Work, new you notebook. you know. Life goes on. I've got a brand new notebook, Sam. I'll just turn over a new leaf. Not a bad idea, dear. <laughs> uh, date, uh, July 18 to Mr. Alex M. Youngblood. Uh, mm, try that again. Mr. Alex M. Youngblood, P.O., Box 317, San Francisco, from Samuel Spade, license number 137596, dear Mr. Youngblood, I need a vacation myself. You need Charlie Shank. <sighs> sounds hard. Fortunately, until I met you, my only experience with any of the men and women who make your newspaper run had been with one of your corner newsboys who shortchanged me two times within as many days. I have not read your rags since. But your name looked imposing, and so did the $300 check upon which you had written it. Per your instructions, promptly at 4 p.m. on the 15th inst, I must through the litter of your city room toward a door marked A.M. Youngblood, publisher, managing editor, and city editor. I wanted if you were ambitious, frugal, or three men. I did not know that you had good taste until I saw the prim, 20-ish, and toothsome and secretary in your outer office. Hello. You're new here, aren't you? Uh, well, I'm not exactly here. I'm just here to see Mr. Youngblood. Oh. The name is Spade. Samuel Spade? Sam, except for my most intimate friend. <laughs> well, my advice to you, Sam, is to be the hasty retreat. He's in a foul mood. Oh? Uh, why? Is he blind or older than he feels? I refer, of course, to your spectacular charm, Miss, uh, if I may call you Miss. Please, this is neither the time nor the place. My name is Phyllis Watson, and my phone number is in the directory, if you're really interested. I could be. Thank you. And if a man answers, tell him you're my French teacher. We. Oui. <laughs> you better go in now. If you're late to an appointment with him, you're through. Uh, do you have any more words of wisdom? No, but I hope you can do something to improve his state of mind. He's been awful lately. Good luck, Sam. Uh, thank you, Phyllis Watson. 
Come in. Yeah. One minute past four. You must be Mr. Spade. That's right. You're almost late. Sit down, Spade. Cigar? Uh, no, thanks. Well, don't expect me to offer a drink. You aren't a drinker, I hope. You don't listen to the radio, do you? Well, you'll not drink in this office. Nothing here but a cooler filled with water from a clean, gurgling, laughing mountain stream. You sound like a reformed drunk, Mr. Youngblood. What's that? Well, it was a good many years ago. If you don't mind, I'll just paste up the weather report for my morning edition before we talk. Oh, you do that too, huh? Yes, obviously. And with good reasons. I remind myself that I was once a copy boy, and I find it a splendid way to, uh, at least once each day, to lower myself to the level of the working man. There we are. Very hot in Phoenix, I see. Mm-hmm. Uh, just what do you want a detective for, Mr. Youngblood? I was coming to that, Mr. Spade. Sorry. Now, uh, well, first let me warn you that your assignment is a highly confidential one. They all are. In this case, a man's life may be at stake. Mm -hmm. The situation, my newspaper at my order and under my guidance has launched a campaign against crime. Not aimed at the petty criminal, but at the easy-living leeches at the controls of the rackets. The hoods and bankers' clothing. The mansion-house parasites who direct the pickpockets, the second-story men, the housebreakers, who gamble away yeah, half a million uh, dollars take it a easy. year uh, and uh, pay income tax. Yeah, yeah, don't go to face Yes, I understand, I understand. Uh, you're after the boys on the safer side of the fences. Well, well, nicely put, Spade. Yes, thank you. Well, the long and short of it is this. The author of the expose series, Ray McCulley, my top crime reporter, has been missing for two days. I want you to find him. What makes you think he's still alive? Good heavens, Spade. Why must you suggest that he isn't? Because if I were a mansion-housed parasite in danger of being unhoused by a newshawk, I'd see said newshawk standing in a cement block on the bottom of the bay. I will accept that only when no stone has been left unturned. Every straw and every haystack has been searched. Every... Uh, nook and cranny? Uh, yes. Sounds as though you need at least one police force, Mr. Youngblood. Now, why don't no, you... No, just, no, uh... no, no, no. Impossible. We've already had a brush with the police over the expose. I'll not be dictated to at this stage of the game. I started this investigation, and I'll finish it alone. Well, it's a pretty big order, Mr. Youngblood, but uh, times are tough. I'll see what I can do. Good. I hereby turn over to you all the resources and power of this, my newspaper. When one of my reporters is in trouble or danger, sir, I will spend every penny of my fortune, if necessary, to deliver aid and succor to his side. You then gave me Ray McCulley's expose stories to date. I saw why you, his family and friends, and his creditors could have been worried about him. They were hot. One followed a stolen car from the time of the heist through the alteration of the body color, tire brands, license number, motor serial number, by the time it was shoved onto a used car lot. They named names all the way through. And another did the same to the firm of Otter, Badger, and Mole, Furians, and alleged manufacturers of coats from clouted pelts. Ray McCulley had dropped out of sight right after that story had been published. So I left your office hoping that I'd reached the address of Otter, Badger, and Moe before closing time. I did. The plushy showroom was occupied by a dozen attractive fur-bearing models, female, but waxed. The live models, male, were wearing padded shoulders, pointed shoes, and coats tailored for underarm artillery. They would have looked more natural at Madame Facade's waxworks, Bertram the burglar section. Hey, oh, hey, what'll it be? Something for a little woman? Uh, where do I find Mr. Otter? You the Lord? Uh, Leo sent me. 
It's in his office. Come on. Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Don't crowd me. You say you want to see the boss? On business. Stop nudging me with a rod. In there. Hey, move. Okay, okay. Hey, your boss. Yes, Woody? Here's a Joe here to see you. Leo sent him. Well, nudge him in, Woody. No nudging, Woody. Well, well, well. So Leo's sending a man to see me. I wonder why. If you'll uh, comb this character hair out of my hair, I'll try and tell you. Sit down, Woody. Mm. Thanks. You're new in town. Uh, yeah, that's why Leo sent me. A local muckraker named Ray McCulley interviewed you. He also interviewed Leo, but it didn't get printed yet. Uh, Leo wants to find him. So do I. How can I help? Well, uh, he walked out of here, went to his hotel, wrote the story, and mailed it in. That's the last anybody's seen of him. Uh, Leo was just sort of hoping that you'd already taken care of him. Not yet. That's all I wanted to know. Thanks. Just a moment. Yeah? Leo sending you out alone? Why not? That's a tough boy, that McCulley. He's got plenty of protection. That's what you need. What kind of protection? Go along with him, Woody. Who, me? You're Woody, aren't you? Now, look, uh, look, Mr. Otter. I don't want to look a gift horse in the mouth, but the way I see it, this is a, a lone wolf-type caper. Hey, what's the matter? Hey, you think I'm too good for you? Well, Woody, I wouldn't say that. Good, it's settled then. Take care of him, Woody, and don't mix it up with any of Leo's boys. If he's out to get that rat McCulley, he's our friend. I was beginning to wonder who Leo was. I'd grabbed the name off a calendar on the wall, Leo's Van and Story. I didn't know whether he was the Leo Mr. Otter didn't like, and I hoped I wouldn't find out. The best way I could think to keep from finding out was to shake Woody. On the way uptown, I walked him past four police stations. Crossing Market Street, I pushed him straight into the arms of the traffic cop, who begged his pardon and let me off with a warning. At the Blue Bottle Bar and Grill, I gave Joe, the bartender, the Mickey Finn sign, but Woody liked it. He ordered another. Then he said he knew a place on Columbus where the drinks were even better. It was called Leo's Place. I wondered if that meant anything. Hey, oh, hey. Uh, oh, me, huh? I want you a drink. Don't you like this joint? Yeah, sure, it's fine. Uh, we're not getting anywhere, though. You really take your work serious. Me, when I go gun for somebody, I go where I'm least likely to succeed. You live longer. Yeah. Uh, Woody, what do you know about this guy, uh, McCulley? You hear the boss. He says he's a rat. Yeah, but he said he's got plenty of protection. Who's furnishing it? Well, you see, there's a... Boy, oh, boy. Look at what just walked in. I looked. What I saw was not disappointing. She was wearing a skin-tight black satin with a plunging neckline and a new look only in places where it didn't matter. But she still looked enough like your secretary, Phyllis Watson, to be out of place in Leo's place. She didn't stay there long. She made a beeline through the kitchen to the rear exit. I made a beeline right after her. Woody was breathing down my neck as I started up the rickety outside stairway at the back of the building. I uh, stopped the landing and turned around to face him. See you later, Woody. I didn't wait to see if he made it all the way to the bottom of the stairs. I was more interested in what was going on at the top. The door had opened and Phyllis stepped inside. The man who let her in looked like Ray McCulley. Who are you? Well, the name is Spade. I don't know that name. Your boss hired me to find you. Private Dick. Yeah. Can I uh, talk to you for a minute? Sure. Put your hands behind your neck and walk up slow. Okay. All right. Go inside. Well, what's the matter? You're not acting glad to see me. 
This is the guy, fellas. Yes. Alex hired him this afternoon. There, you see. Now, uh, what do you want me to tell Youngblood? You're not going to tell anybody anything. Oh. It caught me right behind the ear. The last thing I saw was that plunging neckline as Phyllis rushed forward. I didn't know whether she was rushing to my rescue or to get in a few licks of her own. Five seconds later, I didn't care. As the design of a linoleum slammed up at me, I had just time to wonder why, of all the people who were looking for Ray McCulley, I had to find him. Then I was out. Boing. Mace for my pains. The makers of Wild Root Cream Oil are presenting the weekly Sunday adventure of Dashiell Hammett's famous private detective, Sam Spade. the well-groomed look that helps you get ahead socially and on the job? Listen. Recently, thousands of people from coast to coast who bought Wild Root Cream Oil for the first time were asked Primus and removes loose dandruff. What's more, non-alcoholic Wild Root Cream Oil is the only leading hair tonic that contains soothing lanolin. So ask for Wild Root Cream Oil Hair Tonic. Again and again, the choice of men who put good grooming first. By the way, smart girls use Wild Root Cream Oil, too. And mothers say it's grand for training children's hair. And now, back to the missing Newshawk caper. Tonight's adventure with Sam Spade. I was lying on the floor in a room with nothing in it but a sink, an army cot, a square of dirty linoleum, and a body. I staggered to my feet, ran some cold water over my head, and took a closer look. It was Ray McCulley. He was a very dead, crusading reporter. He'd been stabbed clean through with a long-bladed kitchen knife set on the handle, property of Leo's place. I went through his pockets. and his wallet, a press card, a police card, union card, and ten genuine, crisp, new thousand-dollar bills. That gave me a line on the killer. He was crazy. So was I. I left it on him, too. Folded up in his vest pocket, I found two newspaper clippings, one from the Chronicle and one from your paper, both weather reports for the same date. It was very hot in Phoenix, according to both papers, but according to your weather report, the temperature in Needles, California, was 135 degrees. That needled me. So did the slip of paper I found on his shoe. The number nine and a date had been stamped on it with a rubber stamp. The date was the same as that of the weather reports. I turned it over. It said, Ruthie's Booth, Manson Bowling Alley. Don't tell me. Yes, you're the cigar type. Corona's a panicelli. Uh, thanks. I'm just shocked. Uh, I got a nice line of notion. So have I. Uh, no, I mean the dolls, the Hollywood dolls. You know, for the bed, only a dollar plus tax. Very reasonable. Say, what's on your mind? Uh, Leo sent me. Oh. Are you going to collect the slips hereafter? Well, uh, not tonight. You see, I'm uh, sort of a troubleshooter. Leo's uh, checking up on some of the numbers that didn't come out right. Listen, I'll tell him to his face. I don't want any part of those wrong numbers. They're scary. Nuts. Who bought this one? Let me see. Oh, last Thursday. Oh, number nine. How can I forget? He put $500. 
And honest, if he's been around once, he's been around a hundred times to see if it paid off, did it? What's his name? Mr. Spinelli. He buys a slip every day. And if you ask me, he's learned a system. Because he's been winning, you know. Dimes, and then a dollar, and then five dollars. And then when he come in with five hundred on number nine, until he dropped dead, did it win? Where does he live? <gasps> it did. Wait, I'll look on the sheet. Hey, somebody else was in just this afternoon. Give me that address. Hurry up, will you? It's right around the corner on Manson, 810. Say, maybe that's his system. Eight and one. Don't that add up to nine? Hey, what's the matter? Where are you going in such a Please, come back later. Tomorrow... Next week. Are you Mrs. Spinelli? Yes, please. I had so much trouble. Is your husband home? Oh, my poor man. They take him away. He's dead. Oh, I'm sorry. How did it happen? Who are you? I'm a detective. Maybe I can help you. May I come in? All right. Come Quite a while to gain her confidence, and after that it took still quite a while to piece together the grief-stricken grumble of words that poured out of her. When I got it down in the form of a statement, I asked her to read it over. Item. Statement by Mrs. Arturo Spinelli. All the time he played those numbers. I told him they're just a bunch of gangsters. They don't let you win. Then he met this man McCulley, a writer for the newspaper. My husband says this man shows him how to win. He wins and wins. Then he goes to bank and takes out all our savings. I begged for him not to do it. But no, no, he was greedy. And this McCulley poisoned his mind. Sure, he won. He brought the money home in his hand. Ten thousand dollars. I don't want it. I'm scared. I took it while he was sleeping with wine and gave it to the men. I tell him all I want is the 500. He tried to tell me we do good. We help catch the big gangsters. I say we don't want to do so good we get murdered in our bed. So he says, okay. But if I change mine, here is address. I don't change my mind. Because already my husband, he is dead. At home. Stand. No. I don't change my mind. She signed it, and I left her alone with her grief. I wasn't working for you anymore, Mr. Youngblood. You hired me to find your reporter, and I had. And I wished I hadn't. The rest of it I did for myself. You weren't in your office when I got there, but Phyllis was. I found her behind the city desk in the act of dropping tomorrow morning's weather report into the slot. I grabbed her out of her hand. What? Oh, it's you. Where's your boss? At home, I guess. We'll talk in his office. Come on. Sam, uh, I can explain how I have You're going to explain be... plenty before I'm finished with you. Sit down. Oh, you... I have to be so rough. What's the matter with you? Plenty. I'm stupid. I was stupid to take this job, and I was stupid to play it cagey with you. I should have beaten the story out of you before the trouble started. It's a little late in the day now, but not too late to send you up on McCulley's murder. Oh, you're insane. Ray McCulley was... 
I'm the only one who ever tried to help and you. And I'm the only one who can place you in that room, not ten minutes before the murder. I told you, I can explain Stop why... Stop trying to save your own skin. Spinelli was only one of a half million poor dumb yucks that lose their nickels and dimes and dollars every day in the policy racket. Only he had the bad luck to win. There won't be any more lucky dead people like him if I have to make a patsy out of you to stop it. It won't stop it. Nothing will. Ray talked big and brave like you. Now he's dead. Yeah, with 10,000 bucks dirty money in his wallet. I won't let you say things like that. Ray was an honest reporter. Too honest. He thought young blood meant what he said about that cleanup campaign. Yeah, he did. He wanted to run this town by himself, clean up his competition. When Ray started collecting material on the numbers racket, he still thought young blood was on the level. But that was before he stumbled onto the thing about the weather report. Yeah, yeah, that was a new one. The old Dutch Schultz mob used to add up the stock market quotations. If they cheated, they knew their customers weren't good enough at arithmetic to prove it. But who knows how hot it is in Phoenix unless they live there. I don't know what you're talking about. Listen. That's how the number game works, sweetheart. The suckers pick a number from one to ten, see? The operators tally up the slips, and the least popular for that day has to win. The weather report doesn't have to pass through the copy desk, and with young blood pasting it up with a few strategic corrections, it was easy to make their winners look as if they were on the level. Oh. But of course, you had no way of knowing that. You only watched them do it day after day. You know, I couldn't understand why he did those things. It's... It seemed silly falsifying a weather report, but it didn't seem as if it could do any harm. What did you meet McCulley for? To get your cut of the ten grand Spinelli was killed for? How dare you? I went there to warn him about Who you. Who killed him? I don't know. You're lying. All right, I'm lying. But I can prove that Ray was on the level. I've got the proof right here. The whole story he wrote on the numbers racket, even naming Youngblood as the head of it, his own publisher. I went there to get it. I was going to take it to another newspaper. Why didn't you? I can't tell you that. You don't have to. Mrs. Spinelli was confused, grief-crazed. She had to put the blame on somebody, and when she did, she got her revenge the only way she thought she could. She may have been right about that, but she killed the wrong man. Why didn't you tell me you knew who killed Ray? I wanted to give you a chance to tell me yourself. I'm glad you didn't. And that, Mr. Youngblood, is the crop. I'm sure you appreciate the fact that I gave the double scoop to your paper. Like uh, Mrs. Spinelli, I have my own ideas of vengeance. Besides, it may up your circulation a little, and you can certainly use a little extra money for your defense. Uh, by the way, who's Leo? Uh, period, end of report. But, Sam. Yes, Evie. I thought Mrs. Spinelli killed Ray McCulley. The vacation helped. You are absolutely correct. Mrs. Spinelli killed Mr. McCulley, if you'll pardon the expression. But why did she kill her husband? I was wrong. The vacation didn't help. You mean she didn't? She killed McCulley to avenge the murder of her husband. You mean Mr. McCulley killed Mr. Spinelli? Effie, stop. I'll go mad. Oh, you need a vacation, Sam. Look, type that up. The clatter of the keys may stimulate you to further cerebral activity. I beg your pardon, Sam? Brain work. Now, shoot. Oh, brain work. Oh, you know best. Tonight, men, or first thing tomorrow, get Wild Root Cream Oil and see what wonders it does for your hair. Notice how easy it is to apply. Notice what a neat, natural job it does of grooming your hair. Notice, too, how effectively Wild Root Cream Oil relieves annoying dryness and removes loose, ugly dandruff. No getting around it. Once you try it, you'll never be without it. So tonight, or first thing tomorrow, call at your drug or toilet goods counter for Wild Root Cream Oil. Get the big economy bottle and the handy new tube that's easy to pack when you travel. Also, ask your barber for a professional application of Wild Root Cream Oil Hair Tonic. Again and again, the choice of men who put good grooming first. Well, here it is, Sam. And you were absolutely right. The typing cleared my mind. 
It's all clear now except for one thing. Well, let's clear that up right away. Why did Mrs. Spinelli kill her husband? She did not kill her husband. Oh, I'm sorry. I mean, why did Mr. McCulley kill Mr. Spinelli? Kelly did not kill Spinelli. Who's Kelly? McCulley. McCulley's real name was Kelly? Now, let's start all over again. Disregard everything we said up until now. Make your mind a complete blank. All right, Sam. In the first place, McCulley did not kill Spinelli. That's what I said. It was his wife, wasn't it? Now, wasn't it, Sam? Oh, stop teasing me. Hey, why do you look at me like that? Effie, Mr. Spinelli was killed by one of the policy racket hoods to get back the ten grand he won on the numbers game. Then how did the money get into Kelly's pocket? McCulley's. Why do you insist on using his alias, Sam? Effie, Effie, that was a tip of the song. I I mean, look, Mrs. Spinelli took it to him because she was afraid her husband might be killed for it. Then why didn't they take the money when they killed him? Because Mrs. Spinelli had already taken it. Then she did kill him. Go home, Effie. I'm sorry I'm so irritable to you, but I, I thought it... Well, it's been so long since oh, I've been here, you know, Sam, Angel, I... Angel, you're just tired. Vacations have a habit of doing that to you. After a week or two in the office, you'll be all rested up again. I'll take it. You easy. act as though you thought my mind were affected. Come here. Come Sam, here. now don't. My sunburn. Yeah. Oh, it hurts. Hmm. It's nice to have you back. You look good, too. All tanned and healthy. You're rough. It's great. I think my nose is peeling. Well, don't peck at it. <laughs> Good night, Sam. Good night, sweetheart. The Adventures of Sam Spade, Dashiell Hammett's famous private detective, are produced and directed by William Spear. Sam Spade is played by Howard Dove. Lorene Tuttle is Effie. The Adventures of Sam Speed are written for radio by Bob Tallman and Gil Dowd, with musical direction by Lud Gluskin. Gil Dowd directed tonight's broadcast in William Spears' absence. Join us again next Sunday for another adventure with Sam Speed, brought to you by Wild Root Cream Oil. Again and again, the choice of men who put good grooming first. This is Dick Joy reminding you to... Get Wild Root Cream Oil, Charlie. It keeps your hair in trim. You see, it's non-alcoholic, Charlie. It's made with Susan Lanolin. You better get Wild Root Cream Oil, Charlie. Start using it today. You'll find that you will have a tough time, Charlie. Keeping all the gals away. Are you baldy? Get Wild Root right away. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. Join us again next time on Mystery Radio X. X.